feeling that your life is a perpetual work in progress, always striving and changing, but never quite arriving. It can be challenging and exhausting, but maybe we aren't really meant to arrive. Maybe we're meant to be a work in progress, and all we really need to do is learn to handle the pressure of the process. I know that a lot of people struggle with this, myself included. So let's talk about the value of being a work in progress. I started thinking about this topic one day as I was driving. I was working between two offices that are 165 miles apart, while my family is 335 miles away. So that has me a lot of time to think. As I was driving, I was listening to a podcast, and someone mentioned the phrase, a work in progress. I was immediately captivated by the concept, and I stopped listening to what they were saying, and I was immediately very deep in thought. Considering my own situation, I know the vision in my head and what I'm trying to create, but in the meantime, it still feels pretty far away, and I always feel like I'm making much progress. Do you ever feel like that? Do you perpetually feel like that? I don't think it's uncommon. So I wanted to share some thoughts I had on the subject, and believe me, I'm talking mostly to myself here, but I hope you can benefit from it as well. The first thought that I had immediately when I heard work in progress was concerning Kobe Bryant and his infamous work ethic. The day before Kobe's last game, he went to the gym to work out like he always did. You could say, what's the point? Even if you learned something profound, you only have one game left. What do you expect to come of it? If he had decided to take that day off, nobody would have blamed him, and it wouldn't have diminished his reputation one bit, and most likely, nobody would have even noticed. But that's not what he did. The day before his last game, he did what he always did. In his last game ever, he scored 60 points. Most players in the NBA will never score 60 points, but he did it in his last game ever. Again, you might ask, so what? The outcome of that game changed nothing. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs. If he'd only scored two points, the outcome would have been exactly the same. But I can promise you, that he didn't score 60 points for me, or for you, or anyone else. He scored 60 points for himself, so he could always know that he left the game giving his all to the very end. That's the mentality of a winner, and he knew that he would need that mentality long after he left the game of basketball. Shortly after his retirement, he created a podcast called The Punies. The Punies is great, and it's a direct product of the mentality that led to that last game work ethic. When my children were younger, I would put them to bed each night and I would play them an episode of The Punies, and they loved it. They also came to love Kobe Bryant even though they knew nothing of basketball. So what's my point? My point is that mentality is key to our future. How you do one thing is how you do everything. I'm not suggesting you be detail-oriented and focused on minutia. In fact, quite the opposite. When people focus on details in small things, they then tend to focus on details in big things and they drown themselves into failure. The key isn't the details and the minutia. The key is to focus on the things with the biggest payoff. If there is no payoff, then why would you waste the time? 
I often see people bogged down in the minutia of details when it's obvious to me that even if they attain perfection, there's no payoff. Stop doing those things, and the sooner you stop, the better. This is when people often give the excuse, well, I'm just a perfectionist. I recently heard a psychologist define perfectionism. He said it's a need to micromanage, but an unwillingness to be judged for it. If you consider yourself a perfectionist, or if you allow yourself that excuse for your inexcusable behavior, then you need to knock that off as well. There was a time when I thought myself to be a perfectionist. I'm a quick decision maker, and I tend to stick to it, and I do care about the details. But as I aged, and hopefully matured, I learned to become comfortable and to even relish the messiness of life. I found that most people, whether perfectionist or not, don't like the messiness. They much prefer the order. But the messiness that everyone avoids is where all the opportunity is. So get in there and start creating order from disorder. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to start making it better. That, my friends, is a work in progress. And that's exactly where we should be. I know that's something that's very difficult to settle in your spirit sometimes. It just doesn't feel right. But this is the point where the intellect must overcome the feelings. It's an important point of philosophy that animals act on instinct, which is essentially a feeling. Humans are unique because they can harness the power of the intellect to overcome the feeling of instinct. And this is something called the will. We usually use it in the phrase willpower, but the will is not something to be ignored. The will is ever present, but if we fail to anchor it and aim it appropriately, then we'll almost inevitably default to having it serve the purpose of selfishness and hedonism. The problem with this might not immediately be obvious, but selfishness rarely gains us what we might imagine that it would. In the end, we discover that the journey is less about what you gain and more about who you become. So, who are you becoming? Is life making you better, or is it just making you bitter? It seems, if I could oversimplify this for just a moment, that the greatest challenge in life is learning to tame the ego. This is not a new idea, but it could take us all the way back to Socrates. Socrates said that humility is simply polished egotism. He further said that if you can't be arrogant, you can't be humble. So the depth of your humility is equal to your arrogance. In contrast, the wise man simply lives without either. As my mom used to tell me, I think she got it from C.S. Lewis, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I wonder if it's a Gen X thing, but this week I heard a conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss. They both agreed that if someone was young and living at home and looking to get started, they said you should find the highest level person you possibly can who will allow you to work for them for free. I know that if you're a millennial or a Gen Z, then your gut reaction to what I just said is absolutely not. I know it just doesn't feel right, so hear me out here. I once had a friend go in a real estate company. In his office, he had the top selling agent in the whole town. He also had what was probably the lowest selling agent in the whole town. She sold one, maybe two houses a year on a good year. He was lamenting the fact that the good agent wasn't really having any effect to bring up the bad agent. We were in the office alone, so they weren't around. I grabbed a chair 
and I set it in front of the good agent's desk. I said, if I was the bad agent, I won't say her name, I would camp out right here and start taking notes. If she did something I didn't understand, I would ask her why. I'd also ask what I could do to help her for free. That last step would cause me to double my sales just by accident and with no effort. So why wouldn't the bad agent do that? In a word, ego. That agent eventually left the business less than a year later with a lot of excuses and blame for everyone but herself. When I was a student, I found doctors in the area who I could learn from. I'd work for them for free just so I could learn what they knew. Zig Ziglar famously said that you can have everything you want in life if you just help enough other people get what they want first. It seems most people today think you can have everything you want in life if you can just find enough other people to do it for you. Some of this old wisdom has become lost wisdom, but it really does still work the way that it always has. Sometimes we get tired of working and we think or we say, why can't it ever be easier? As John Maxwell says, because all the good stuff is uphill. You either have to work to get up there or you can just coast to the bottom where you surely don't want to be. Work, by definition, is effort to move in a certain direction, usually against an opposing force. When we stop giving effort, we just end up wherever the tide takes us. When I was about 12, I was swimming in the Snake River outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming with my family. We were swimming in a pretty calm area, but in the blink of an eye, the current took us around the corner and we were now swimming in the rapids. Even then, I was a good swimmer, but I was no match for the power of the river to just throw me around wherever it wanted. And the more I struggled against it, the more exhausted I became without making any perceivable change to my situation. I was trying to make my way towards shore, but it wasn't getting any closer. Before I even knew what had happened, I was suddenly sitting on the bottom of the river. I got caught in an eddy, and it pulled me to the bottom with remarkable power. I could see the surface of the water was only about six or seven feet above my head. I tried with all my might to swim to the surface, but I made no progress. I then realized that my arms were burning and cramping, and I was desperately needing air from all my exertion, but there just didn't seem to be any way to get to the surface, even though it seemed so close. Not knowing what to do and feeling all alone at the bottom of the river, I did the only thing I could think of. I gave up. I crossed my legs and I sat on the bottom and I looked up at the surface. I thought, I wonder how long I'll be able to hold my breath until I just can't hold it any longer. Will I fight to hold my breath till the end or will I just let the water in and give in to the inevitable? I had about a second to contemplate that thought before I felt myself launched out of the water like I was shot out of a cannon and I landed on a rock in the middle of the river. Boy, that oxygen felt good in my lungs. I must have laid on that rock for at least 10 minutes until my arms felt strong enough to swim back to shore. I remember thinking at the time that this experience was a metaphor for life, but I just wasn't old enough yet to know what it meant. What I later realized is that sometimes, when you feel stuck, just relax for a moment and see where the current's taking you. You might have been swimming in the wrong direction the whole time. The point is that we're all a work in progress. Our office is a work in progress, our technique is a work in progress, and our life is a work in progress. 
That isn't just okay. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. So how do we take a work in progress and turn it into growth? My simple answer to that is to not see obstacles as failures, but to see them as opportunities that will develop your character and move you to the next level. I know that's not generally something that people want to hear, but in real life, you will have difficulties. Every successful person will tell you that they've learned far more from their failures than they ever have from their successes. John Maxwell has a saying that when a man with money meets a man with experience, the man with the experience will get the money, and the man with the money will get the experience. Don't discount the wisdom of this saying. With patience, we will always have those patients who don't get fixed up as quickly as we think they should. Those are the ones that will teach you something profound. The successes are nice, and they keep us from getting too down on ourselves, but it's the struggles and even the failures where we make the progress and learn the lessons that make us better in the long run. When you find yourself stuck as a work in progress, and you're not making progress, there are only two ways out. One is to get clarity on the most important thing. Where are you going, and what do you have to do to get there? Then double your efforts and put everything you have into making that happen. In this scenario, the problem is usually that we're distracted and we're trying to go too many different directions at the same time. That means that the solution is as much about focusing in the right direction as it is about removing the things that pull us away from it. The other reason we sometimes get stuck and fail to make progress is because we need to pivot, but we fail to make that pivot. If you aren't making progress, maybe it's because you should be doing something different or maybe just doing it in a different way. Either way, until you make that change, you're going to just keep beating your head against the wall and feeling frustrated when you should be making a change. Probably just a simple, even a small change, but a change nonetheless. As Yogi Berra famously said, when you come to the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> it might seem funny, but that's some sage advice. I guess the point of all this is that you shouldn't beat yourself up because you don't think you have it all together. Honestly, none of us do, especially the ones who seem the most like they do. What you see that makes you think they have it all figured out is probably just the fact that they've learned to live or even thrive in the chaos. Not that they ever made it go away. Sometimes the difficulty we face is not knowing if we're stuck or just making very slow progress. There are times when our progress is so slow that we can't perceive the gains that are actually being made. I recently went to my kids ice skating class. My wife was on the ice with her skates and I was sitting on the bench watching. At different times, both of my kids came over to me to tell me that they were done with ice skating because it was too hard and they weren't making the progress they expected. First, I had to explain to both that their expectations were way too high. You cannot expect to be a pro in one week, but you have to keep working past the point that most people quit. Then I told them, pretend you're really good at this. What would that look like? How would you skate? Now go out and skate like you were that person. It was amazing to see how a simple change of perspective led to better skating in just a few minutes. It was only a short time ago that I realized when I was a kid, I was often made to feel bad if I was too good at something. I was expected to hold back and even lose intentionally, even though those losses would be used to ridicule me later if necessary. This caused me to develop a bad habit of only giving half effort and not really caring whether I won or lost. The ridiculous part 
was realizing that I was doing it to gain approval that I was actually never going to get. That approval was never even an option. I just thought it was. It was very freeing to just let it all go, put the pedal to the metal, and just pursue becoming the best I possibly could. Now, I don't know your story, but it might be worth it to take some time to really think about what holds you back. Do you have a fear of failure, or even worse, a fear of success? Where does that come from, and what do you need to do to get past it? Who is the person in your life who did the most to hold you back? Many people have a parent who held them back, not because of bad intentions, but simply because they were afraid to let you fail. If you never had a chance to fail, then you've also never had a chance to succeed. There's a great B.J. Palmer quote that says, If at first you don't succeed, keep sucking till you do. You are a work in progress, but progress can only happen when you first remove the obstacles. Let me give you one more story that's had a huge impact on my thinking. Many years ago, when I was coaching football, I had my team in the weight room working out weekly. Having nothing else to do, I decided to work out with them and just see where I could go. I got my bench press up to about 230 pounds, but then I plateaued. No matter how hard I worked, I could not get it to improve, not even by a little bit. I then realized that I was using my triceps way too much, and that was actually holding my pecs back, the very point of the exercise in the first place. What I thought was an effort problem was really a technique problem. So I got my elbows up and I changed my technique. My bench immediately dropped to 150 pounds max. Ugh, how embarrassing. I stuck with it and I held on to my new technique. It was about a month later that I was benching 315 pounds. The moral of the story is that sometimes you have to go backward before you can go forward. Sometimes we're stuck because we're trying to push forward in a direction and we can't go there from here. If you're never willing to go backward, you may find that you're never able to go forward. I hope that these thoughts have been helpful for you. I know that most of our barriers are self-erected and they only exist in our mind. We need to have the courage to do battle with our inside person to unlock our full potential. It's often the thing we want to think about the least that we need to think about the most. It's often the part of our personality that we least want to deal with or change that we need to address the most. I remember hearing John Maxwell say that the reason it's called a blind spot is because you can't see it. Such simple wisdom, but how many people in this world are held back by an enormous weakness that they can't even see in themselves? How much worse would it be to think that your weakness was your strength? Thomas Wolfe said, the greatest fool in the world is the man who thinks he sees himself as he actually is. It's for this reason that we have to grind out our character by slowly discovering who we are and who we are not. Over time, the things that one held great appeal slowly become less relevant or maybe even altogether irrelevant as we become who we are meant to be. Unfortunately, this process is often hard and painful. It's the difficulties that grind us down and make us smooth where we were once rough. Those who avoid difficulties often avoid this process and find themselves little changed as the years go by. I once heard someone say that experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. I think there's some piece of truth, unwelcome though it may be, hidden in there somewhere. Each and every one of us is a work in progress. That is a good thing. That should be an exciting thing. Who will you be in 10 years? 
choice is yours. Or maybe it's not. Only time will tell. <laughs>